At AGI, we take grain bin safety seriously. With Bin Manager, from the convenience of your smartphone, you can know the condition of stored grain without having to climb a ladder or stairs to monitor temperature and moisture. AGI Bin Manager is fully automated, meaning you can trust that grain is safe and in condition without returning to the bin to turn on or off fans and heaters. With advanced algorithms to optimize fan and heater controls, you can be confident that your hard-earned harvest will be in condition when it is time to sell. Find AGI Bin Manager at aggrowth.com digital. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Norma Fordyce. Norma and her family planted five acres of strawberries on rented ground in 1958. It took them 16 years to get into full-time farming. Norma drove school buses for strawberry pickers, drove trucks to haul sweet corn and beans, and she hoed a lot of strawberries. Norma loves farming. What she loves about it is that the family can work together She had four sons, and now her son Raymond and his children and her grandchildren and great-grandchildren all work together on Fordyce Farms. To say that I am excited to share this episode with you is the complete understatement of the day. (laughs) Christina had so many wonderful things to say about her grandmother-in-law that I begged and pleaded for her to convince Grandma Norma to share her story with me, and I could not be more grateful that she did. Before we get to Norma's interview today, I just want to say a warm welcome to our newest member of the Patreon community, Diane M. Thank you so much for your support of the Rural Woman podcast through Patreon. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a member of the Patreon community through Patreon, you can head on over to today's show notes to find out more. As well as in today's show notes, you will find a link to the Ultimate Field Meal Guide, which is your complete guide, including over 40 recipes of amazing field meal dinners, if I do say so myself, that... uh, I have been making for, gosh, the last almost six years now. 
So (laughs) I feel like I've been through the ringer when it comes to field meals and what to cook and to spice things up and not eat the same old boring things over and over and over again. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to get all that you need to know, including today's show notes, the ultimate field meal guides, and more information about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Wildrosefarmer.com is the place to go for all of it. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's interview with Norma. Hello, Norma. Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. Thank you. Yes, it's it's a pleasure to be with you. Norma, I have to ask, have you been a guest on a podcast before? No, I haven't. No. (laughs) That's okay. I I have to ask this too. Did you know what a podcast was before Christina asked you (laughs) to jump on a call with some random Canadian stranger to talk about yourself? Uh, I'm familiar with podcasts because of the radio station I listen to. I am very proud of you. There are folks in my life who are much younger than you that have no idea what a podcast is. So. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are on trend, Norma. So for my listeners who are unfamiliar with you, who do not know you, Norma, introduce yourself to us. Tell us who you are and where you're from. I'm Norma Jean Fordyce, and I live here in Salem, Oregon. I was born in Hayes, Kansas, to parents and grandparents that were wheat farmers. And we moved to Oregon when I was five, and I've been here in Salem since then. Yeah. And when we were married, we decided that we wanted to start out with strawberries, five acres of strawberries on rented ground. And at that time, that was in 1958, 59. 60 in there where we had just a a woman who would help get pickers and it was all local people then this was before we had any migrants in the area and also strawberries at that time were dryland farming that meant there was no irrigation and so we were among the first among the first not the first among the first to put in an irrigation well, which meant it would go, the tonnage would go from three to four ton to the acre up and higher. So because then with irrigation, we were getting higher tonnage, the Oregon Blue uh, Strawberry Commission started what they call the 5-500 club. That says if you got five ton to the acre and got more than 50 ton, you could get an award. So my husband was the first to get an award for higher tonnage in Marion County at that time. Later, we've also got another award for 10 ton to the acre. And so in those days, my husband said, I'd been hoeing the strawberries and raising four little boys, at three at the time. And he says, can you be a row boss? Well, that I picked strawberries growing up. I knew what they were like, but I took on more responsibility for getting pickers and Bob would go pick them up in the old truck with racks on them and bring them out. We'd take the racks off and stack the berries up and take the pickers home and then take the berries into the cannery. 
but we worked up to where there was buses and more acreages. And at that time, in the late 60s or in the 60s somewhere, the employment department would go to the schools and they'd interview the kids and tell them, talk to them about strawberry picking. And if they wanted to go out strawberry picking, they would leave their name and address and phone number. So I would go into the employment office and get their names and and sit down and, and call a bunch of people and try to get a busload of people. <laughs> we rented buses then, school buses in the summertime. And, and then I would map out the route and Bob would drive the route. It ended up, I ended up driving around too later. Yeah, so we worked up to 30 acres of strawberries at that time and then started with other crops too. Norma, I am always amazed to hear the stories of agriculture, even, you know, as early back as the 50s, of how much manual labor there still was in growing crops. And you're talking about getting pickers from from schools to come out and do these and being a row boss and all of these things. What has it been like for you in the last 65 years to see the technology and the changes that have been made for agriculture and for your farm specifically? Well, I've seen such an increase of paperwork, which, uh, <laughs> and I, I hear that small businesses in America, they're important, that small businesses in America are very important. They're an important part of our economy. Well, it's getting more and more difficult as a small business owner to keep up w- with the uh, larger businesses who have a full office staff and can deal with all the new rules and regulations and tax problems and all that sort of thing. So poor Christina, she's getting into a a lot of bureaucracy now. And so my heart goes out to her. (laughs) Yeah, it's there's so many things that go into farming on top of actually growing food. And we are so lucky today to have Christina with us here doing this interview as well. Do you want to say hi, Christina? (laughs) Thanks for having me again, Caitlin. (laughs) Like you are probably my newest favorite person for making this happen. So, (laughs) (laughs) I now I think now I want to talk to everyone's grandmother that I interview. I need them to set up, you know, additional (laughs) interviews with their family so I can interview them too. (laughs) Norma, what have been some of the most challenging situations that have happened to you over the last 65 years of being on your farm and being an active member of the farm? Well, one thing that I've been thinking about, it took us 16 years to get into full-time farming. My husband was a workaholic and now my son and now Christina's husband, (laughs) they're all workaholics. And I guess you need to be in this kind of business. But so my husband did reforestation in the wintertime to pay for us to get started farming. And of course, I always did the paperwork and the payroll and all that. I had to learn all that on my own until we joined the Chemeketa Farm Business Program. And that was a lot of help. 
that's when I got into, instead of doing things by hand, we were starting to get into computers and getting our first payroll program on a computer. And now the government keeps changing their, their programs. I just learned of one last night. So, <laughs> yeah, we've, we're having to become computer professionals besides farmers. Keeps us on our toes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and like you said, there's just been so many changes and it changes from year to year and season to season in agriculture. I think, you know, having the perspective that you do from going from manually hoeing strawberries and taking such great care and expanding your farm to be able to transform it into a multi-generational operation. These are the stories that I fell in love with agriculture from not being an active member or not being involved in agriculture at all growing up and, you know, marrying into it and seeing the legacy of farms continue on. Norma, what are some of your fondest memories of raising and growing your family on your farm? Oh, during the harvest season, it's it's pretty hectic, long hours. And then we ended up with four sons, but to watch our sons work with us. And then after working with kids that are throwing berries and some of them not wanting to be out there really earning <laughs> living, are earning, we'd come home and think, boy, you boys are great. We, you're great kids compared to what we're seeing out there in the field. <laughs> so it was a wonderful way to raise our sons too and to work together as a family. And now I'm getting to work with grandchildren and, and their spouses. And it's like getting to pass on a legacy, which I'm grateful for. It sounds like your sons have learned such great value and work ethic and being able to work with your family, I believe is a blessing and a curse, uh, <laughs> more of a blessing <laughs> than the curse, <laughs> but being able to instill those values in your children for them to have these family values, I think is one of my favorite part of being rural and being able to be with family. So since you've planted those first strawberry fields, what have been some of the greatest lessons that you've learned as a woman in agriculture? Well, to do, learn to do even more things ourselves, because the first field that we planted, and actually the plants didn't grow very well, was with the plants in a bucket and and like my husband had a shovel, he'd dig the hole, I'd put the plant in there. But then there were people that you could hire that would come with a planter and, and a crew. And I had worked at Shriners Iris Gardens and on a planter. And I said, Bob, we can do this ourselves. <laughs> well, I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> but we did. We We got a simple planter and... We, some of the neighborhood women, and and even at my mother-in-law rode the planter for a while, but we learned that we could plant them ourselves, and it would turn out okay. So then we planted our, we still do that, plant the berries ourselves, and have a planter, and get a crew, and the grandkids are out there, 
covering up the plants that don't get buried right. And so we, so we've continued that ourselves. I didn't realize that was your idea, Grandma. Starting <laughs> yeah, to do it that you way. can you can blame me. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're learning family history here and why things are the way they are. <laughs> You can thank me at the next family dinner for that. (laughs) So, Norma, what have been some of your favorite jobs that you've gotten to do over the years? Well, this isn't with the strawberries, but now Christina's husband and my son have a October festival, you might say. All through October, they have the five-acre corn maze. And so I had a pony, and we'd go down there with the pony and to where the people were, and I'd give pony rides. And I did that for 14 years till my pony died. But that was a lot of fun. The kids would lead the, the animals down there. We had to go from the farmhouse down to the long sunny view to where the pins are for the animals. And so I enjoyed that a lot. And my son draws a maze out, five-acre corn maze, and he puts a different theme on it every year. And the first year I went in and I got lost. (laughs) (laughs) But that's kind of a, a step that, you know, from, we still do the strawberries and we do other things now too, but... Uh, that's one thing that I've really enjoyed is being part of the October, the whole month of October with people coming out. And my son said he wants people to enjoy themselves, so he doesn't charge admission like a lot of farms do. And we do. We get a lot of families and uh, not necessarily a good financial reward <laughs> because they're not charging, but it's, it's a joy. Well, and to allow people and welcome people to get to see a farm because there's a lot of people who have never been to a farm and to create a welcoming and fun activity for them to come and see your farm and see all of the hard work. I think that in itself is super rewarding. Yes. Yeah. And that's one thing they do. They do a hayride too. And that's one thing Raymond, my son, her father-in-law would do is ask them questions of what they see and what is growing there. And I don't think people enjoy nature like we do or they could enjoy when they're just stuck in front of screens or video games (laughs) and to see the beauty all around us. Yeah, absolutely. Norma, what would you say are some of the jobs that you've done that were your least favorite? Probably riding on a corn picker when the corn's down. (laughs) We went into growing sweet corn, too, after strawberries. And we planted, we did grow some bush beans, too. But sweet corn, we had our own corn picker that we, a two-row corn picker. And then I was one of the truck drivers. We'd have another truck driver, usually one of our sons, too. And, well, what happened was I was in bed. And a storm came up, and it got so wet and muddy, we couldn't pull the trucks in the mud. The corn went down, so then we had to back the truck up down the rows and handpick the corn and throw it into the truck. Actually, it was quite a 
we were being innovative and we got the corn harvested, but that uh, most years the corn that went fine. We and but that year, I guess we did have several years that that especially where the corn went down. But one field, our old '62 Ford truck wasn't so old then, but the mud was so bad. And I said, Bob, let's wrap some chains around that tire on that truck. And, you know, because there was a hole there in the wheel where you could wrap some chain there and we could go. We could go with that truck. And so I felt pretty proud over that. (laughs) Yeah, one funny thing, we were out on the field and we were going to start picking. And when you're picking sweet corn, it can be any time, day or night. It's when the cannery wants to run their cannery. And so you might be up working all day and, and get called in to start picking or you might be asleep in bed and they say start picking (laughs) so we were out there in the field that had been irrigated so it was pretty boggy and I had a loaded truck and I couldn't get the truck going and Bob gets in the truck and he says I'll show you how to do this and he revved it up bam it broke weld on the extension on the truck and so he was he had pretty oops look on his face (laughs) took the part off that needed to be welded and we called Mr. Nyes and Brooks and he came to his shop at night and welded that for me and we went back and we got into busy picking but I had one over on Bob on that one. So was, yeah, but I didn't, yeah. <laughs> Those stories maybe don't get repeated right away after they happen. You wait a few years. <laughs> Growers have a lot to consider when it comes to storing grain. Are you getting the most out of your on-farm grain storage? Could an aeration model help to better determine fan, heater, or dryer needs? And what is the ROI if you installed a bin manager system to remote monitor and control in-bin grain conditioning? At AGI, we want you to ask the tough questions about how Bin Manager allows growers like you to know exactly what is happening inside your bins without climbing a ladder or stairs, or how you can benefit from remotely monitoring your grain temperature and moisture from a smartphone, or how fully automated fans and heaters can provide peace of mind all season long. Contact an AGI representative today for a free on-farm smart storage assessment. Find AGI Bin Manager at aggrowth.com slash digital. That's aggrowth.com slash digital. So I'm going to assume in the last 64, 65 years that things haven't always gone as planned. What have (laughs) been some of the things or the reasons that you kept on going? Oh, and I didn't know it at the time, but now I know it's been our faith. It was the Lord taking care of us. Because there was several times I'd see Bob. He was a city boy from, from Seattle. His mom and stepdad moved down here, and he was thrown into a different kind of life completely. And so he was nine when he moved here. 
there were several times I'd seen, I don't, he'd say, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. I don't know if, you know, he could make a go of it. And he did. And he was, both of us were very conservative when it came to money. For one thing, you don't know what you're making, so you don't know what to spend. <laughs> so we didn't. <laughs> and and we would buy used equipment, and and things all worked out over the years. And it's just totally amazing to me that when I look back now, that we were being taken care of. And I'm much more appreciative now than I was then. <laughs> but yeah, it's been wonderful. We didn't have any serious accidents with on the farm ever, except our poor Craig. He got hurt several times. But <laughs> so we've it's been a very good life. And it's a shame that more people don't get to live rural anymore or have a life like this. And I just hope that the family can keep going. Because it's a, it's you don't always get paid, rewarded for what you're doing, but I think there's other rewards that'll come in the end. I think so too, and it's just beautiful. I think hindsight is a really great thing, and being able to sit here and reflect on, you know, we can talk until we're blue in the face about everything that's gone wrong and all of the hard times. But like you said, there's been so much good to happen, and you have persevered through the challenges and you have such a beautiful family and such a beautiful legacy, Norma. I am always curious for the advice of the women that have come before me who are the rural uh, queens of their farms. (laughs) What advice would you give to somebody who is just starting out on the farm, whether that's they are working on a farm, they've just bought their own farm, or they've married into it. What advice do you have for them? I would say that uh, be cautious with your spending or budgeting. And also when accidents, oh, like there was one time we went to turn on the irrigation and needed to irrigate, couldn't. The pump had died (laughs) and we had to put in new well irrigation motor and pump but even in when things like that happen you learn to be innovative you learn that it might look bad now but hang on you're gonna make it because there's always other chances there's always something else that can turn it's like they say when one door closes another window opens And I think the most thing is just hang on. It's going to be all right. You're going to make it. That's perfect, Norma. We have a saying here on the Rural Woman podcast. It's when I get misty, which I get, I start to cry. And there's been (laughs) a few moments for me, as I'm sure there are the listeners, because your words and the advice and all of the love that you have for your family and your farm has come through today. And I just cannot thank you enough for sharing your story with us today. What are your hopes for the future and your family's farm? That they're able to weather all the things the government requires nowadays (laughs) when it comes to paperwork and rules and regulations. (laughs) There's 
there, I thought of another story. I don't know if this fits in right now, but my husband had difficulty swallowing. He was only 60 years old, 61 years old when he got the cancer of the esophagus. And the family stuck by us both. And he, he was diagnosed in July, had surgery, but died in October. So I got the pruners and we since have been growing blueberries too. Got the people, the crew going with the blueberries. And when it came down to mow the branches they had pruned off, I got on the tractor and I was starting down the row and I was crying. And I said, oh, Bob, pray for me. And I thought, I like farming. So I learned to spray the blueberries. I learned to... I already I don't prune, I know how, but I <laughs> but I did the irrigation and so the life I'd lived as was I was Bob and I worked together, but I've learned now that I can work too. And now I have sons and daughter in laws that are part of it and we can all make it work. For sure. There are women in our industry who I think have a lot of fears in learning to operate equipment, in learning how (laughs) to do things on their operation. What advice do you have for them? Well, I was used to being around tractors and and Bob had me on a tractor (laughs) before we were even married, but it just... Just learn all you can about the machine and be careful, but I rather enjoyed. I'd done some disking and cultivating strawberries on the tractor and different jobs where Bob needed help. And then I bought my own tractor then after Bob died, and we're still using that tractor. But you have to have respect for the the machinery too, because farming is a dangerous but don't let that scare you. Just follow, be cautious, be aware, and enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. You should tell them the story about the uh, truck you got for your birthday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, for hauling corn, we, we worked with a neighbor who we had one truck and he had one truck and we'd help each other with sweet corn. Anyway, it was time to get a truck and we had a good financial year that was in 1974 so bob went out we got it we went to and bought a brand new our first brand new truck it was a 1974 truck which we still own and it was on my birthday that was my birthday present (laughs) i don't remember getting any other birthday present (laughs) but We still have that truck, and I still, it's still my birthday present. (laughs) There you go. Hey, that's a pretty good birthday present. I think who wants flowers when you could get a work truck? (laughs) Oh, that is so great. Well, and to speak to driving the tractor, and for anybody who's afraid to take that leap into learning how to operate equipment, the worst thing besides, you know, hurting yourself is you don't like it and you don't have to do it again. But I have to say that operating machinery 
is my favorite job on the farm. And I was the one who was afraid to drive the lawnmower when I got here. And (laughs) the summer I learned how to drive the lawnmower was also the summer that I learned how to operate the swather. And I swathed my first field. And it was the most incredible feeling And that's when I knew I wanted to be a farmer. I had worked in town before and I had a career that had a pension and it had benefits and all of the things. But I was like, nope, this is for me. This is what I want to do. So it's a powerful feeling to be able to do something like that. And I can't stress this enough to anybody who's listening who is a little bit afraid you know be cautious but take that leap because you you're never gonna know if you don't like it if you don't try that's right yeah and and you get to work outside and look around and see everything growing around you and 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 you're accomplishing something too you're helping harvest a crop and that's that's very rewarding absolutely Speaking of rewarding, Norma, my last question for you, and it's the question that I like to ask all of the incredible women that I get to speak to, what is the most rewarding part about being a farmer for you? Well, when we had so many, all the young people that have worked for us over the years to watch them achieve something and learn something, that's been very rewarding. But plus to see our own kids advance and grow and learn to be workers that you can depend on and do a good job and I think that's that's been very rewarding and just knowing that we're furnishing things that people need the food they need or the opportunity to be here on the farm it's very rewarding those are all wonderful things and I can't tell you how happy this has made me. So thank you again for taking the time today to chat with me. And thank you, Christina, for making all of my dreams come true and getting to meet (laughs) Grandma Norma. And I like to say this to all of my guests before or after we record. This just means that we are instant friends, Norma. And I am so excited to be friends with Grandma Norma now. (laughs) Well, I'm very happy to meet you. This has been very pleasant and it's, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and connecting with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim and Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. 
you can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. Thank you.